Hey friends, I appreciate you tuning into the Deal Farm Podcast, where I hope you feel at least mildly entertained and possibly even inspired to take big action towards improving your life and your business. On this episode of The Deal Farm, we get to chat with Jim Oliver about a powerful strategy most real estate investors have no clue about. How would you like to be your own bank? Well, stay tuned in and I'll tell you how. Kevin, what's going on, my man? It is an outstanding week, and I am really excited for today. Yeah? How come? What's exciting about today? Well, first off, it's fall. It's beautiful outside. And, well, actually, I'm excited about this weekend because we are going to an apple festival up in the mountains. Can you think of something much more fallish than going to an apple festival up in the mountains, taking the kids, going for a hayride, going through the the corn maze? This is that time of year. Yep. Yeah, we I took the kids to one last year, the year before. I can't remember. And they had all the activities and the hay rides and the milk the cow and this and they had uh apple launcher. Oh yeah. Ever seen yes. this? Like the gun. Oh yeah, like the water balloon launcher. Yeah, yeah, right. Have you done this? I have done this before, yes. It's like potato guns that we used to make that were lethal, except now you're shooting uh apples instead. So the place we go to, they have the uh, the potato gun apple shooter, and then they also have like a like one of those water balloon launchers, right? With the, the elastic. Okay. So it's like, yeah. a, so they got, you can do either one. So, oh, the gun's way more fun. It, it is. It's noise, more powerful. It shoots like 100 yards. Yeah. Yes. You got to be making, a, I mean, you got to be growing a lot of apples to just be able to just shoot them willy nilly. Like if you're not going to sell them <laughs> and you'd rather shoot them, you better be, yeah, I guess you've you got a lot of apples going. Well, it's one of those things where, you know, you go into the barn and they're like, oh, I can buy a bushel of apple for 12 bucks or I can come out here and shoot them for a dollar. So what's up with that? It's got to be the reject apples. There must be a reason. The thing is, even the reject apples, like when we go to the apple barn and stuff here in North Georgia, we get like the giant three peck bag because you can make applesauce out of them. Absolutely. Yes. Like, apple pie, applesauce. I don't yeah. care. They still taste Tastes- good. So here's the big question, right? So every year for your birthday, you get an apple pie. Are those yes. apples from the apple festival? Is, is there sort of a tie in there where they're, yes. we went to the apple festival, we got the apples and then you get your birthday yes. apple pie. Yes. She makes a special trip to LJ, Georgia to get apples every year. And she always gets like a special variety specifically yeah. for my apple pie on my birthday. Yes. And she, she made that trip last weekend. We were in Austin last weekend. Mm-hmm. for Austin city limits. Uh, but Anita took her parents to the apple festival and got the apples. So this week, just since I've been home, I've had applesauce every day. Nice. Last night we had an apple crisp outstanding. And in two weeks I get my apple pie. There you go. So this is that time of year, man. Yeah. It's that time of year for yes. apple fest. So up here in Virginia, they, they've got an interesting twist because the, the different places you go, they also have uh, Virginia cured hams. And so when you go into the barn, they've got these salted hams hanging from the rafters that you can buy giant slabs of bacon just in the barn like just really? just hanging from the ceiling is that sanitary i i guess that's the way it was for like you know centuries i guess that's how that you know they salted the ham and then hung it in the barn interesting and uh so one year and it smells like bacon so you got apples wow. everywhere and the bluegrass and yeah. you know the barbecue and then you got come inside and then there's just hams and sides of bacon hanging in the barn so one year we bought a big old, it's not cut bacon. It's like a slab of bacon encrusted in salt and pepper. It looked really cool. So you get home, it's like, well, what do I do with this 
giant i don't have a slicer right well so i hung it in the basement because we weren't going to make you know five pounds of bacon on a weekend and the whole house just smelled like bacon like for for months and the dog just went crazy the dog was like what is that smell would go down to the basement and it dripped one year it was one year we did the bacon it did the ham and never again uh, we just buy Kroger like, bacon i would I, I think i would go downstairs it would be covered in ants and cockroaches or something i mean i don't know no, i don't trust that it wouldn't be touched it's encrusted in salt like absolutely incru- okay. so any bug that gets okay. close they're just gonna die right okay. so some sort of torture chamber for the bugs i guess you know <laughs> smells so good your blood pressure is going through the roof when you <laughs> eat this thing because okay. it's full of sodium yeah I, you know, I can't even say that it was like the best bacon I ever had because it'd been hanging in the basement. It was salty. And it was like, man, the pioneers, right? They, they ate some interesting meats, I guess. I, I, I'm you pretty what, if you're going to eat that kind of crap, you better have yourself a good life insurance policy. Yeah. Well, just, well, just one year. It's been years ago. Never. We just stick to the apples now. Stick to the apples. Smart. Enjoy the smell of the salted Virginia hams, but we don't buy them. Smart. Well, if you do decide to get some this year and you are eating ridiculous amounts of sodium, Get your life insurance policy. Make sure it's a whole life policy because we got some pretty amazing strategies we're going to be talking about today. So this thing, this is, I want to say it's crazy. I've just, I've never, I don't, I, this is brand new. Like this is out in left field. This is an area I have never explored, don't know anything about. So I'm just coming to this very, with a clean slate. Yeah. I, and I'll be honest. I mean, I've talked to how many hundreds of folks in this business and I know, a li- I don't know enough about it. I probably should know more about infinite banking. I know just a little bit. And so I'm actually really, really excited about bringing him on because I just want to I want to dive in the nuts and bolts of how this works. Yes. And uh, and he's written a book. This we're talking about Jim Oliver, our guest we're about to bring on. He's written a book. His business is called Tailwind. And this is what they specialize in his whole idea of using infinite banking and in, in combining it with real estate. And, and essentially, you, you become your own bank, right? You're your own bank. You, you get yourself out off the grid of the banking system. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the tax, I mean, the, the tax strategies around this are phenomenal. And it's yeah. a more powerful tool than your IRA. So the, I, I can't, for the life of me, figure out why more people don't know about it or aren't, why they're not using it or why I haven't used it. I was going to say, that's not what not, we're doing either. Yeah. I, I mean, I say we stop teasing and we just bring him in. What do you think? All right, let's bring this guy in here. So, Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Glad to have you here, man. Thrilled to have yeah, you, man. I'm excited. So, First time meeting you, Jim. Uh, tell, I mean, give me the thirty thousand of you. How'd you get into real estate, and then we'll work our way into the the new book you're about to release. Yeah, you know, um, I got when I got out of uh, school, I I became a fee based financial babysitter. I mean, financial planner, and I I built a nice business, uh, about seven hundred million under management, and that's what I was doing. Right, I was charging one percent, and I thought, hey, life is good. But then I got this report from one of our platforms and it said, uh, your investors got 9.38% over this period of time. And I thought, wait a minute, I have money in that. I don't think it grew 9.38%. I mean, using the rule of 72s, I mean, 72, um, you know, like that, that didn't seem right. And so I went back and I took out fees and expenses and taxes. And I went, wait a minute, it's like 4%. Wow. And I thought, wait a minute, we're, these guys aren't going to get ahead. I'm not going to get ahead getting 4%. So um, I analyzed out of the $700 million that I had under management, I took all the people that really had serious money, 
not the ones that got lucky or anything, but the ones that had serious money. And I said, okay, what did they do to get this money? Right. And it came down to two things as clear as day. It was real estate and businesses. And as you guys already know, if you're a real estate investor, you're in the real estate business, right? It's a business. Yep. And so I thought, well, why am I telling people to put money in Wall Street when that's not how any of these people became wealthy? And it's not really how you hold on to wealth. It's how you hold on to wealth for Wall Street, not for you. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of like, that's how I got there. And um, I was in a friend of mine's office and he had this stack of black books and um, I was looking at one of this, these books. He had like 20 of them. And I thought that's weird to have 20 books just stacked up on your, in your lobby. And he goes, Oh, you can have one of those. It doesn't work. And it was Nelson Nash's book, becoming your own banker, unlocking the, unlocking the infinite banking concept. So I, I thumbed through it and I thought, Oh, this is just a way to sell more life insurance. But then he was doing a seminar, a 10 hour seminar. And something just told me like, go talk, listen to this 70 some year old dude. Right. So I did. And I thought, man, e either this guy's brilliant or he's nuts. <laughs> and I wasn't sure after 10 hours, which one. So I asked him a bunch of questions, a bunch of questions. He said, you know, he's from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. So he's like, GM, you know, and he, he wouldn't answer any of my questions directly. He'd give me things <laughs> to think about. So he said, Hey, in two weeks, I'm doing this again. You got to come back. Because your financial advisor, your paradigm is in cement. We're going to have to break it. And I said, okay. So I came back and about halfway through, I went, boom, this guy is brilliant. Everything that he's talking about is amazing. We finance every single thing that we buy. We either pay interest or we give up interest that we could have earned somewhere else, like in real estate. Mm -hmm. And so because I had this, the seed planted about real estate, and that was a way... I mean, you know, you guys know all the stats and everything. And that's, you know, how many people are billionaires from real estate and everything else. So I said, all right, now what if I could combine infinite banking and investing in real estate? And that's when the light bulb went off for me personally. And I've used this concept to buy over 30 businesses. Some of those businesses, real estate businesses, some of them logistics, some of them electronics. And I mean, I have lots of different kinds of businesses and I've, used the insurance company's money to go buy those businesses, not mine. I've used the insurance company's money to go buy real estate, not mine. And I don't pay the premiums my tenants do and my customers. So, you know, for those that aren't, and I, I'll be honest, I have, I have a, a very periphery uh, understanding of the whole concept of, of, you know, infinite banking. So for those listeners that don't know anything about it, maybe they've never even heard of infinite banking Give us just like the basics. Like how yeah. I know that it has to do with borrowing from your whole life policy, but maybe educate us on that. Yeah. So can you, you, you create this um, insurance policy. It's very, it's, it's designed for cash value, not death benefit. It has death benefit. It has illness protection, but it's designed the way a corporation or bank would design bully bank owned life insurance. Why do banks own life insurance, corporate, corporate owned life insurance, Coley, or I mean, why would they own life insurance? It's because it's a it's tax invisible. Once that money's in there, it's never taxed again. But so you you have this insurance contract. You buy it from a mutual insurance company because the mutual insurance company is owned by policy owners, right? You're going to own a policy, and then because you own that policy, the insurance company has to give you a loan 
of their money. This is where insurance agents get confused of their money while your money sits in this tax shelter. But they you they put a lien on it, right? That so you're collateralizing your cash value. Now you have other people's money, use and control of it, like a bank. And now you're going to go invest it in real estate, right? That's kind of that. And 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 so it's it's kind of like this is if I would loan you guys a hundred million dollars today. And your only obligation was you got to pay me $5 million of interest one year from today. Would you take the loan? 5%. Absolutely. absolutely. Right. Heck yeah. Yeah. We'd find a way to invest that make more than 5%. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's the type of loan that you're getting. It's interest only right now. If I gave you that loan, you, I, you could deduct the interest because you're going to go invest it in real estate. Right. Some people get confused and they said, no, you can't deduct that. You can't borrow. You know, you can't do that when you're borrowing your own money. No, you're not borrowing your own money. You're borrowing the insurance company's money. So think about that. How many things in your life, the money that you're earning inside this insurance contract, you don't pay tax on. But the money that you're paying to get to use the insurance company's money, you get to deduct. So the money you're earning, you don't pay tax on the money that you're spending uh, paying, you get to deduct. I mean, I'm not saying it's as good as depreciation, but it's that's pretty good, right? You know, and that's an important distinction that I don't think I realize that you're not borrowing your own money out of that policy. It's your money's collateralized and you're borrowing the insurance's money. But real and just for clarity, up to whatever you've got cash value wise, right? It's not right. like you're borrowing and you're not necessarily leveraging up necessarily, right? Well, yeah, no, you're not leveraging. Like, like what you're talking about, but you are leveraging like this, Ken, is in the first couple of years, well, the first year is you, you, um, you put a dollar in, you don't have all that dollar to use the first year. Okay. Okay. Because there's, I mean, it costs money to set up a business, but you know, there's commissions, there's setup costs, there's underwriting costs, all of that. But then by year three or four with no infinite banking, just the insurance contract, the way it's designed. You put in a dollar, you'll have a little bit more than a dollar. Every year for the rest of your life, it gets better and better and better. The ratio gets higher and higher and higher. Around year 10, you put in a dollar, you have a dollar 50 to use. Okay, now think about that for a second, right? I put in a dollar, like let's say you put in a million dollars and you write me a check for a million bucks. I turn around and write you one for a million and a half to go put in real estate. Guess what? You win, right? So, it's like a business. It, we got to think long term. The first year or two, I'm behind. Okay, but using infinite banking um, inside the, with the insurance contract by year three or four, I'm way ahead, and by year ten, I'm killing it. So, just again, I didn't know that. So, when you get to you know, let's say you got you know a hundred thousand dollars of cash value by year ten, right? You've put in a hundred thousand dollars worth of you know, of cash value. The bank will then loan you back 150 based on your cash value of 100 so what i'm saying my in that example for me what i'm saying is like you you put in 100 grand a year right like and i'm just using a round number so we can see the percentages sure. yeah so the first year you put in 100 grand you're not going to have all of that that you can use around year two or three using infinite banking you'll put in 100 grand you have a little bit more than 100 grand to use right okay. by year 10 that 100,000 that you flow back in from your tenants, right? Or, or from your cash flow that you've generated with real estate or your uh, uh, customers, 
that all you're doing is flowing that money in your bank instead of somebody else's bank. That hundred grand that you put in for that year, you put in a hundred, you have 150 to go use. Okay. So I might have a million in there because here's the thing is remember, we're not going to let it sit there. We're going to be using it. We're going to collateralize it. Okay. It's going to sit there and grow, but we're going to use it and collateralize it so we can get the insurance company's money to go buy real estate. Cause I don't care if you're getting three, four, five percent rate of return, whatever it is on the insurance contract. I don't care. It's what I'm going to do. It's the 25% cash on cash or 40%, whatever your real estate play is. Got it. Right. It's what you're going to do with the money. Okay. So the reason you're saying like by year 10, you're at let's say $150,000 is because you've been investing it for 10 years and increasing, you know, what the, the cash value because of that investment. Yeah. And it's, and remember, we're going to, we're going to, we're not, we're going to flow that money in and we're going to flow it out and put it into uh real estate. Gotcha. I got and when you're taking a loan on this money, what kind of rates are like, what kind of rates are, is it, are you looking at? What, what sort of rates are you looking at to get that money out? I mean, is it, so what that's, is it that's index a, against? Yeah, that's a great qu question, Kevin. It, right now it's between four and 5%. Really? Yeah. And it's interest only. You, so right you now, have no obligation to pay a payment on that. You All you do is pay the interest at the end of the year. And so it's a, so it's a, it's a one-year, 12-month note, interest only, balloon payment at the end. Just No, no. Just I mean, you, you pay the interest. It's just, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, balloon payment at the end. It's calculated daily. But so like if you, let's say you took that money, you put it in real estate, you have cash flowing back in. You can flow it into your banking system, the insurance contract, instead of somebody else's. So you pay four or 5% on the daily balance. You don't even pay it on the whole amount if you flow money back through there. Yeah. Gotcha. So you're not really paying four or 5%. You're paying less than that. And right. if you're using it for real estate, it's dedu deductible. I'm not giving you tax advice, but if your okay. CPA says it's not deductible, we'll get you a new CPA. <laughs> we'll clarify. This is not a tax advice podcast, so we're not going to give it tax yeah. advice either. I am not licensed to give tax advice. Yeah. But wow, that's really fascinating, even though we're not giving tax advice. That, that's I, right. I've never heard this before. It's I like to say it's tax invisible. Once that money is in that insurance contract, I have access to it. And it's tax invisible. It's growing, and it doesn't matter what the what the government does to the tax rates going forward. I've protected that money. It's after tax going in, but then it's never taxed again. Well, that's and that. It's another, I think, important distinction. It's um, it's similar to like an IRA in that sense, right? In the sense that it's after tax dollars, but it's w without the limitations. Okay. Yeah. And without the the government making rules and you know and all that. Yeah. Right. It's been around way longer than federal income tax. I mean, it's been around in in uh, the UK since uh, the 1600s, in the United States since the uh, late 1700s. So, I mean, it's been around way longer than than taxation. So, I, so you can do so. I'm, I'm sure that folks in real estate are getting incredibly creative by running deals through through there that are making stupid returns. Because right? yeah. I've done that in self-directed self accounts before. Yeah. Where, you know, if you you structure the note in such a way that it pays off, you know, in really nice dividends and it's sitting in a, you know, tax-free, I'm not paying taxes. It's the same concept with the whole life policy. I yep. mean, are people flipping houses? I mean, what are, so let's talk about the real estate component. What are people doing inside of these policies? You know, I've seen, I've seen, I mean, you know, obviously a few years ago, people were buying multifamily like it's crazy. I have a, 
There's a guy up in Wisconsin that's putting about 300 grand a month through his insurance contracts for his escrow, right? So before that, that would flow in, he'd just let it sit in somebody else's bank. They take that money, loan it out to somebody else, right? Now it's in his bank. So he's funding it with his escrow. And so, huh? That's so interesting. Yeah. And so um, I've seen, I mean, people have, I mean, I've bought, like I said, I've bought over 30 businesses using this, including real estate businesses. Um, we've, um, you know, you can, you, you, uh, I'm trying to think of some, uh, I mean, other people have, um, you can use it to like, if you're going to go and you're going to, um, and you're trying to get a bank to loan you money on a, on a post renovation value. Right. Yeah. And they want to see the, uh, they want to see the liquidity for the renovation. You can use it for that. You can, I mean, you can use it for anything. You are the bank, right? You are in control. You get to say exactly what what happens with the money. You're you have the use and control of somebody else's money. So, how does it look then when you're using it to as like down payment funds and you're using a lever of some um, some sort? How does that work? So, like, um, like again, if you guys like the hundred million dollar question, let's say you guys made me that offer. Um, to loan me a hundred million dollars. And by the way, if, um, if you want to, we can talk after the show, uh, but I'm going to take your hundred million and then I'm going to go get 400 million from the seller or the bank. Right. And I'm going to get 80% LTV because the seller will probably give me better than that. The bank might, you know, not give me that right now, but um, I'm going to get 80%. I'm going to go buy $500 million worth of real estate. Right. So then in a year, I write you guys a check for four or five million dollars of interest. And you guys say, Hey, do you want to pay any principal? And I say, Nope. See you next year. That's it. Right. I mean, it's, 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 it's simple, but it's not easy because it's not what we've been taught that an insurance contract's for. We've been taught that an insurance contract's expensive, whole life's not a good investment. We've been taught all of these things. But why do wealthy people and why do banks and why do corporations put tons of money? In these insurance contracts, because they know what we know is you use it like a bank, you use it as a money pool. So, so let's take, let's put it more in layman's terms, you know, instead of the hundred million, let's talk about somebody just buying a house. So let's say I want to go buy a hundred thousand dollar house. Let's say I only have $20,000 in my whole life policy, right? Yeah. I can use that $20,000 as a down payment. And then for the, from the bank's perspective, who's collect, who's the collateralized who are they loaning to are they loaning to the policy they're loaning to me personally How you personally work? so what you do is you own the po- the money you own the policy personally and then if you have a corporation that buys real estate and and you know, that your real estate business you loan that money to the real estate um company okay. and then the company goes and buys the real estate i got you and I guess from the bank's perspective, they're they're fine with you sourcing funds from your whole. There's no issues with you sourcing your funds from there because no, they'll, they'll give you a loan up to 100 percent of your cash value because they know that a whole life policy is guaranteed. That's why we use the whole life policy and not like a universal life or something like that where you could actually lo- uh, lose value. Mm-hmm. So like a bank will give you 100 percent of whatever your cash value is, like on a on a stock account, they might give you 50% because they know you can lose money, right? Right. Or on a universal life policy, they might give you 80% because you could lose money. So can follow that example through, right? So you pull $20,000 out, that's your down payment, right? You pulled your full full loan amount out, keep going. 
Yeah. So you take 20,000, you go buy the property at a hundred thousand. And let's say you're getting 25% cash on cash. That money flows back in. You don't have to pay back the down payment uh, loan. You could just keep it going. Right. Um, and you, you're, you're in charge. I mean, so you could flow your rents from that property or the, your, your cash flow back into the policy and then loan it out again, like a bank does. Right. Mm -hmm. If we all pay our mortgages, they take our mortgages, bundle it together and loan it out to somebody else. Now they're getting interest from the three of us plus plus somebody else. And then they do it next month and the next month. And they create what we call velocity of money. Right. Mm -hmm. Getting your money to move faster and faster and faster. Banks do that. Banks do not want money sitting because they know motion is a law of God. If air doesn't flow in and out of our bodies, we die. Blood doesn't flow. We die. If your money is not moving, it dies. Mm, yeah. So, so again, let's go back to that scenario. Let's say you, you fixed up the house, you sold it and you made $50,000. Where yeah. can you pump that $50,000 into that whole, whole life policy? There are limitations because there's something called the MEC line. It's the modified endowment contract. So in 1988, the government said, Hey, this life insurance stuff is too good of a deal. Um, so we're going to make this line of efficiency, um, called the modified endowment contract. If it's too efficient, we'll call it a modified endowment contract and it acts like a qualified plan with all the rules, taxation, and penalties of a qualified plan. If you stay on the correct side of that MEC line, then it's life insurance and all of those tax benefits happen. But what happens, uh, Ken, is you end up with a series of policies that are all little individual banks. So in your in your scenario where you make 50 grand, so we'd call that a windfall, right? If it won't fit in the policy that you have now, then we start another one. And we start another one and another one and another one. And it's because all of your money right now flows through somebody else's bank. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't you want all of your money eventually flowing through a bank you can control? Absolutely. Interesting. Now, here's the other cool thing, because we all end up with business partners and stuff like that. The in an insurance contract, you have the insured, you have the beneficiary, and you have the owner. The owner is number one. So you're going to be the owner and the beneficiary. But maybe if I have insurable interest, I can insure Kevin because he's younger than me, looks like he's in better shape than me. So, you know, like I want to insure him. And so I have I control the cash. I control everything. Kevin has no rights to the policy. He's just the insured, but he's my business partner. So I put insurance on him. And as long as Kevin's cool with that, then I could have a hundred policies. And, and that's again, why corporations do that. Because guess what? Sooner or later, we're going to graduate from this world. And when we do, somebody's going to get a tax-free check. Hmm. What's the advantage uh, for you of, of doing it in Kevin's name versus your own name? Well, a couple of things. One, if I'm partners with Kevin, I don't want to be partners with his family if they don't know anything about real estate, right? So I'm, um, if Kevin graduates early, gets hit by a bus, then I'm going to say, hey, I, you know, we've got a buy-sell agreement. I'm buying um, your family out. Here they are. Now I own 100% of that business or that real estate. I got you. Yeah. Okay. So again, getting back to the the windfall we were talking about. And so your strategy is take that. If you can't get it back into the year because of the mech line, you're opening up a new a new uh, policy potentially, yep. but you're still paying you still pay taxes on that fifty grand, and it's going into this new policy uh, 
after tax. After okay. tax. Yeah. So give me what so give me an idea. Like what where is that neckline? Help me understand like how much can you jam back in your whole policy? Yeah, like okay, so um we make it right on the mech line. So if it was again, I use a hundred thousand because it's an easy yep. number to figure out the percentages. If if you were gonna put a hundred grand in, okay, about 40% can go in the base whole life policy, and about 60% goes in this rider. It's called a paid up additions rider. And a paid up additions rider is a single premium policy, one pay policy. I put in a dollar and I have a dollar. There's no cash drag. The insurance contract, the the 40%, that's where the leverage is, but it's also where the cash drag is in the beginning, right? But that's okay because it's going to leverage down the road. So at at any point, I put in the I can put in up to the hundred thousand, but we normally build in a little bit of space. But let's say last year I decided I didn't want to put the whole hundred thousand in, I only put seventy thousand in. Now I have the fifty thousand dollar windfall. Guess what? I can put it all in there this year. So that's what I mean is if it won't fit, which in the mech line is is it's funny because I, the IRS doesn't calculate the mech line. The insurance companies do. Hmm. And, and I know this might shock you, but they all do it a little different. <laughs> so if you said, how do you calculate mech? That's a great question. I mean, they, it's around 60, 40. I can tell you where it is on that line of efficiency. Like, like when you look at, if you think of life insurance as a spectrum of cash value efficiency, like on this side, term insurance. I put in a dollar, I have zero cash value, and there's only death benefits. So that's the least efficient. And on this side, the most efficient would be like a one-pay policy. I put in a dollar, and I have that dollar. No shrinkage. The It's going to be closer to this one-to-one, -on -one, but wherever that MEC line is, if we're too efficient, meaning I put in a dollar, I have 90 cents the first year. Probably going to be a MEC, okay? So I don't want it to be a MEC because I don't want it to be taxable. Mm -hmm. But what we do is you can't, by the way, if you're doing this and you think, well, man, I don't want to have to figure that out every year. The insurance company does that. They won't let you put money in there. That'll make it a mech unless you sign off saying, I understand that it's a mech. Okay. I got you. So there's, there is some level of complexity to this, right? Yeah. Your average Joe. So talk to us uh, for a second about the, the people that are doing this in real estate. Who are they working with to make this work for them? Yeah, we well, we work with a ton of people with real estate, and 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 this is what you. It's just like if we were going to go climb Mount Everest. The thing that we're going to do, or I'm going to do for sure, and I know you guys will agree, we're going to get the best Sherpa we can find. We're going to get somebody that's been to the top of that mountain a yep. ton of times. Yep. Right. Yep. They know the path. Yep. So at Create Tailwind, that's why we, <laughs> um, our company, we have coaches, we have guides, and we have we've done it over and over and over again. So when you're, and you never pay as a dollar uh, directly, because we're going to set up the insurance contract. The insurance company was going to pay somebody a commission. They're going to pay us a commission. You get unlimited coaching, right? So you will go to the top of the mountain as many times as you want to. Gotcha. Then I, like I just said, we have a repeat customer. You're going to buy more, not because I want to sell you more and more life insurance contracts, but you're going to get more and more money flowing through there. Yeah. And so I'm going to coach you all you want. Because the more you understand this, the more money you're going to want to get to flow through it. Right, right. Yep. So that's what I would say is, yeah, it's complex. I mean, but once you get it down, it's like anything else. Like, right. It's like real estate. The first time, I mean, you're like a deer in the headlights. Like, how the heck am I ever going to figure this out? And mm -hmm. then after a few years, you're like, oh, this is, I got this.
And that's yeah. the same way with infinite banking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so most of your clients, are they using it for uh, for buy and holds? Is it rentals? I mean, rather than flips? Because it sounds like with a flip, you're going to hit that mech line. It's going to kind of throw things off versus let's just do some ready, steady buy and holds. They they, they do both, man. They, do they? they and, and what they do is because, look, when I get that, if I get that $50,000 windfall, I'm probably going to roll it into the next property, mm-hmm. right? As fast as I can, if I can find something, mm-hmm. right? And so it, I may never pay back the loan into the insurance contract. I just may have all this money out there going, all this insurance company's money because it's cheap yeah. and it's interest only. So I'm in charge, yep. you know, but um, so if I got that $50,000 windfall with my premium, with the loan, I, I'm sure I could put that money back in there most times. Yeah. And if and, and if not, then I then I redeploy it as fast as I can. Yeah, I got you. It's it's. I mean, you can almost look at it as it's cheap equity money, right? Because you're sourcing the debt somewhere else. But now this is you're you know you've partnered with yourself and with the insurance company at five percent for your for your equity component on on your deals, right? And you're yeah, just, you're just churning through it. And like you said, so do you ever have to at the end of the year? Do you ever have to physically pay pay? You do have to pay the five percent, right? Or because they don't want to accumulate year over year. So you got to pay that down at the very least, just the 5%. Yeah. Just just the 4 to 5%. And and it just depends on the company. And we you know we have a half a dozen companies, depending on your age, underwriting, and everything, which one's the, the kind of gets the, gets you the most bang for your buck. Yep. But they're between 4 and 5% right now. And some of them are fixed. And the 4% is fixed. And, it, and the reason is, is that it affects, if, if you choose the fixed option, they reduce your dividend slightly. Okay. But again, they're reducing my dividend by 50 basis points, but I'm taking a 4% loan. Yeah. 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 Right. Like who cares? Yeah. Right. And that's, and is, so that's fixed in a, like indefinitely. Indefinitely interest only can't be converted. They're doing if prime is at yeah. 10, who cares? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So then uh, what is the, uh, I'm just trying to think over time. So let's say you have somebody who's a beginner and they, they like with the example we said, they start out with 20,000, they put that to work. They're, they're just paying 5%. Is there an advantage as they accumulate, you know, cash flow, wealth, increasing the value of that insurance policy so they can continue to take loans on it versus, all right, well, let me get a second policy. This next policy, I'm going to do a hundred thousand on that one versus I'll take my 20,000, take it up to 120. Yeah, um, because of that mech line, um, they're normally going to have to. They kind of do it. They they build that twenty thousand dollar one until the until it's just like the cash flow is too much, and then they start the next one. And you know what's funny, Kevin, is that happens a lot. People are around twenty thousand, and then they go to a hundred because right, once they right. get it, then they go, "Oh crap, I'm not funding this enough. I need more money going through this," mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, we see so many people in their 20s and 30s that are in real estate and they're like, in 10 years, I put in a dollar, I have a dollar fifty to go put in real estate. And every year after that, when I'm 80 years old, it's better than what it what than it is when I'm 30. There's not, you know, I hate to disappoint you guys are younger dudes, because, but you know, not everything in your life gets better as you get older. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, but this gets better guaranteed every every year. I love it, man. Well, I know that there are folks listening that are like, okay, that you've definitely piqued my interest. Where where do I go to learn more? How do I plug into this community? How do I get in touch with you? Where would you point people to? 
Yeah. So I would point people to the community and on the community, I have free courses that you can, that you can check out and, and you can, uh, uh, see if this is for you or not, but, um, it's, it's create tailwind. So if you search in Apple or Android, just create tailwind, all one word, or if you just put in a browser community.createtailwind.com, mm -hmm. then, um, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll go to our community. It, it's free to join. And, um, and, and you can totally check it out. Um, for everybody, anybody listening today, and if just mentioned, send me an email um, or reach out to me on the in the community, but Jim Oliver at createtailwind.com. Um, and I'll send you either Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, Unleashing the Infinite Banking Concept, or I'll send you my new book, Make Bank Without the Bank, and um, it's your choice, but as a gift to your listeners, uh, we'll send them a free book. Man, nice. That's a, Absolutely. That's a pretty awesome offer. No strings yeah. attached. Get yourself a free book. Yeah, no strings attached. Absolutely. So again, folks, the website, createtailwind.com. If you want to join the community, it's community.createtailwind.com. And your book comes out when? Doesn't uh, November 14th. November 14th, you guys get it for free. Make bank without the bank. Jim, yeah. this was fantastic, man. Really appreciate the time today. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, yeah, I think we know what our, our holiday reading is going to be now. We're going to get a copy right. of that real quick right when we get off. Love That's it. Right. Love it. Thanks, man. Thank you. Kevin, is your head spinning or what? You know, that, that was like eating a steak dinner. Like there was just a lot of meat on the bone there. And uh, I probably... I probably got about, you know, 70, 80% of it, but I, I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to this because it was like, there was a lot of good stuff there that I don't think I devoured. I would describe it more like a salted ham than a steak. <laughs> yeah. well, well, I devoured the whole salted ham. I tell you. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. And, and that's funny. I mean, when we got off the, the phone with them, we agreed to get back on the phone with them because- yeah. Yes, where we're, we're, we got, we got some follow up with this guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, I one, I just want to do it. Like so, like yeah. sign me up. Let's go. Let's go. Let's figure this out. But right. two, let's let's pull out the old whiteboard and, and let's map this thing out together. And he's, I thought he was awesome. I really really enjoyed it. But it's yeah. uh, there's a little there's some complexity there, and so working with the right team to do it just makes it just like anything, you know. Mm -hmm. Right? Forget to like a ten thirty one exchange. You need a specialist. Like you need somebody that knows what they're doing. It's the same thing with this. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is you talk to people uh, who, who are into this, they've gone through the learning curve. They're used, people love it. Like people, you know, sing its praises. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, you certainly have way more people saying, man, once you get into this, this is fantastic. You got to use it versus people saying, oh, that was a scam. Totally failed. It's you have way more people that are are, are proponents of it. Right. Yep. So there's got to be something to it. We just oh, got to get a brain wrapped around it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just understanding the math and the mechanics of how to do it. But for those folks that are in real estate actively, you know, buying houses, holding houses, selling houses, uh, and you're using your own cash, why in the world wouldn't you do this when there's so many advantages to it? And I think people just need to understand that. Yep. Agreed. I'm glad we had him on and I'm looking forward to more time with him. I'm looking forward to some of that salted ham you keep talking there's about. There's going to be apples and salted ham this year at Thanksgiving, Ken. Just, <laughs> just prepare yourself. Oh, speaking of which, uh, I'm on uh, the green egg duty right now. Actually, I got a, Anita told me that I'm smoking chicken tonight, tonight, middle of the week, Wednesday, and I'm smoking chicken. She just said, you're doing it. So I've been I, signed up. I got to go get the green egg going, man. It's not even fired up yet, man. You better hurry no, up. I know. A while. <laughs> it's going to be a late dinner, I think. <laughs> it's going to be a late dinner. I'm coming to your house. Yep. All right, man. That sounds like a plan. Hey, you want to do this next week? Let's do it again. I love it. Fantastic. See you then.
See you. Friends, thanks so much for making it all the way to the end of today's podcast. If you or possibly a friend has any interest in learning more about real estate investing or opportunities with Red Barn Home Buyers, take a minute and head on over to redbarnhomes.com and check out our investors page or our franchise page, or just drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Can't wait to see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm. Hey friends, just a final thought before you check out. You know, so many of us are going 100 miles an hour through life. We're weighed down by stress or worry or even that haunting feeling of emptiness. But it doesn't have to be that way. I've actually put together a quick resource at faithcrossroad.com where I share just a little bit about the faith that gives me hope and purpose and identity. And I'd love to share it with you. Again, faithcrossroad.com.